Dane, do you want to do the introduction? Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Do you have to restart yeah, the comments? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Keeping It Blunt podcast. Um, we're here today with my little brother, Kieran. We got our first guest on the show. Um, thank you for all the support on the first one. It was quite mind-blowing, yeah, actually. So many of you came to watch Graham and I waffle about which animals would win in a fight. But anyway, it can only get better from there. Um, yeah, so this is my little brother, Kieran. He's done some pretty interesting things in the last couple of years and before that as well. So, yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. Graham, do you have anything to say? Um, not much. I'm recovered from uh, the thing that <laughs> is going around the world. At oh, the yeah, that's true. Um, I'm fine. Everyone's all good. So, yeah. no, one else, no one else I know tested positive. So, we, Kieran and I tested negative. Everyone that so had seen Graham tested negative, so he clearly wasn't chain. very good. Yeah. The yeah, virus clearly didn't do its job. <laughs> yeah, I broke the chain, I beat coronavirus, oh, and I stopped it. So, yeah, so I think <laughs> we have to do a running theme we will be having with all our guests is a question we're going to ask you at the beginning of every episode, and that is, Kieran, yes. if you had to choose any three songs right now that go onto your playlist no questions asked what are those three songs oh um okay well at the moment guys Foo Fighters is like really doing it for me so I'm gonna say Everlong as the first one because it's okay. a kanga I'll allow it yeah <laughs> um you're gonna go far kid because it's the ultimate hop-up song oh, and okay. it just gets yeah, me yeah. through the things yeah. Um, I've taught some more, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you've definitely done some things, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know what, I'm going to go on a little bit of a different road here, and I'm going to say Drugs by Falling in the uh, is it, Dane? Uh, yeah, yep, yeah, I taught you well. Yeah. I taught you very well. I haven't heard that's, that song in a while, actually. I know it's our first yeah, guest. It's, it's a banger. I know it's our first guest, but probably the best three we're going to get it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, good luck everyone that comes off yeah, after I can just tell Nikki's deliberately gonna do it wrong. Um <laughs> Oh guess. yeah, it's gonna be like Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber. Yeah. Actually, but Justin Bieber is um Justin Bieber's past. And now that we're back from the break, you can see that the set has completely changed behind us. <laughs> I love how you say that while Graham's still busy changing the set. <laughs> <laughs> Better. Okay, yeah. Thank you for closing your curtains. Um, one other quick thing. Um, we are recording this at nine thirty. Well, it was going to be nine thirty. It's now ten o'clock in the morning, so we're not going to be drinking during this one because we are not alcoholics, believe it or not. I, um, I actually haven't alcohol. touched an alcoholic beverage in twenty twenty one. That is also a good point. <laughs> Very I, good point. I, I, yeah. I have, I have um, had stuff to drink, but. Yeah. I haven't. I've been, it's probably my cleanest start to a year ever in my whole life because even as a kid, I would have had some cold cold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so moving on from Kieran's three songs on a playlist, um, let me, I actually need to pull up the question so I can keep up. Sorry, I'm a bit I love it how prepared we are for this podcast. Like, well, just, I've got, you know, I've got the like we said, it can only get better from here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then get started, Graham. If you got the question, okay, so the you mouth, wrote the question. No, I've got well. the mouth. Well, they're not questions. I know everything about them. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. Kieran is obviously Dane's younger brother. And even though 
I've known Kieran for the same amount of time I've known Dane. He's always just been Dane's annoying younger brother who was kind of always just yeah, there. Yeah, that's accurate. So, that I mean, we've, we've spoken about this before. We've Kieran, Kieran fully agrees with that assessment. And, I mean, even if he didn't, it's still true. Um, <laughs> so, basically, so, Kieran, you... Dane was obviously born here, then you guys moved over. Kieran, you were born yeah. in the UK. Yeah, I was born in Hemel Hempstead in 2000. What a, what getting, a laugh hey, you were. Yeah, we're getting old, dude. Yeah. Um, no, you know what's uh, more scary is when like, someone's like 2000 and. 2000 and what? Right. <laughs> Excuse yeah, me? Yeah. <laughs> born, yeah, if there's an and, then you just leave. But the scary thing is 2000 oh. and like... Like two thousand, I think it's what two thousand and three. Kids are on matric now. Oh my god! Yeah, bro, that's actually. Well, yeah, because Kelvin's in grade eleven. Yeah. 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 So. Or, at, um, at the end of this year, we've been out of school for as long as we were in school. Yeah, I know it's insane. <laughs> I don't that's, know. That's <laughs> back to Kieran. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you were obviously quite young when you moved back, so I think asking what it was like living there might be a bit futile, because when you yeah. moved back, what two thousand three, was it? No, no, like 2007. No, yeah, so that, I was would have some. You will have some recollection of what it was like growing up there, though. Yeah, like or was very... It like... It, it's all over the place. Like, you can remember snippets of, like, going Yeah, to... like, you just remember sort of scenes that happened. Yeah. I don't... I don't you know, at that age, you're not really remembering anything substantial. There's yeah, nothing yeah. substantial um, happening in your life. True. And when you moved back, when you moved back, well, I say moved back, I mean, when you moved here for the first time, did you realize that you were, like, actually going as far as you were going? Was it kind of like, are we just going to South Africa? Was it like, did you understand how deep, like, not deep, how far you're actually going from what you knew as home? Yeah, I mean, at that age, you don't really realize, but I do remember, like, like it was yesterday, when we were driving away from the house that we lived in, and our friends were standing on the road after they'd all just say goodbye. Yeah. I can uh, remember, that. like, at, at that moment, it was like, you okay, cool. This is happening. Like, we're, clearly, yeah. we're clearly going somewhere. Like, don't yeah, know where. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. You know, at that age, there's no ways you can see the full picture and realize yeah, what's yeah, actually yeah. going on. But, yeah. Never and I mean, also, I think, like, we'd been coming out every year anyway to see family. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Exactly. Like, especially for Kelby, he probably had no idea what was going on. Like, he was probably like, oh, we're going on holiday again. Like, for me, I'd head home a little bit bigger, obviously, because I was like, I'm never going to see my friends again. Like, at that point, like, you're in grade three, like, you're kind of making friends. Like, not for life, necessarily, but, like, leaving your friends at... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, yeah, like, it's it's quite a big deal when you, like, spend three years in school with... A bunch of people and you just get taken away. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, wouldn't change it for the world. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Kieran, what were you? What did you? What, Dad? You could probably back him up on this. I want to ask, hmm. what do you think you were like as a kid? Well, you've already said it, Graham. Apparently, I was annoying. Yeah, but I'm going. I mean, I would say that because I only got you, I only saw you as the annoying younger brother. I wasn't here all the time. Like, I wasn't with you. No, Kieran was difficult here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I definitely wasn't an easy child. Like, I know that for no. a fact, but mm. it's one of those things. Can't change the past now, can I? 
I mean, everything happens for a reason, especially those knives you pulled on me in the kitchen and all of that stuff. Oh, you know? come on. Well, <laughs> if you stab me with a stab, you You know, I had that intimidation that. factor because I was so bigger than you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro, Karen used to routinely pull knives on me when mom and dad were home, whenever he got <laughs> annoyed with something that I had to say or whenever oh, he was, was doing something funny. stupid and I pulled him up on it. <laughs> But I knew you'd never do anything because at that stage I was still bigger and heavier than him. So I had that sort of <laughs> and, dominance. And I'm a decent human. Like I wouldn't stab someone. Thank you very much. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Then you I wasn't so sure, off, but now though. I'm pretty sure. You did pull the off. <laughs> In a playful way, Graham. It was just an Sorry? intimidation factor, you know. Yeah. He had to make himself feel big. Bigger. And now he is big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I still remember... I still, I don't know how many years ago this was. I still remember Kieran had, you used to do all that shit with wood. Like you was to be heavy into your woodworking. Oh yeah. That, yeah, that lasted like a year. I think we still got some of the things he made around the house. Yeah, but it was a bit longer than a year, Graham. It was in junior school. <laughs> yeah, it was a while. Two, three, seven. Yeah. yeah. It was a good hobby, but like all things in life, you know, eventually you get over it and do something new. And Except for me, the new thing was bicycles. Yeah, I was literally yeah. just about to, I was oh. about to ask about the... Well, little segue on the bicycles there. I was, I was going to ask about Thanks the, the, the bicycles <laughs> and how you got into that. Like, what sparked the, the interest in that? Yeah, it was weird. So, obviously, just got to college, grade 8. No, knew no one, like a handful of people from Cornwallis. So, making friends in the dumb classes, which is where I was and um you know making the most of it and i met this guy and he was like we got along um became friends and he was like yeah we should go ride a cascades i'm like why cascades and he's like no there's like a downhill park there it's where they do all the races and i knew that there were races there because we had watched them before living 500 meters away helps with that um yeah, so yeah okay. i went and we got a lift up halfway up the downhill track was this was those I'll first box that we got Brew, I was riding on Dad's bike, and we nicknamed it Black Death, bro, because it was literally falling <laughs> apart every time I rode it. <laughs> so anyway, we we get dropped up halfway up, and we're going as fast as we can. Like I would have thought we were sending it, but in actual fact, we we're probably crawling. And I remember falling on every obstacle, every jump, but getting to the bottom, I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. I have to do it again. And that's when the bug bit, and it's been seven years, and I still feel that way. So good stuff. That's I mean, and you've you've like actually, you didn't just do downhill though, like you did other forms of cycling at the same time. Not by choice. <laughs> yes, yeah, so... I, mean, I, I, I know it wasn't by choice, but you did. Yeah. So obviously, when I started, it was all the gravity stuff. Like that was fun. Um, and then yeah. in 2016, I kind of made a small mistake. Um, a broke right, so small, oh, yeah. but should yeah. We, it, it they, just... Can we run the clip? I mean, if only the small was only that small. <laughs> can um, we run we the can clip? try and find the clip and run the clip. Yeah, yeah we can that, try. I'll send you the clip, yeah. Yeah, Please, okay, we'll run the clip, yeah. <laughs> one of the funniest that things I've ever experienced in my life was watching that clip. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we'll we'll run the clip, um, and yeah, we'll just let's just talk about that for a bit. Talk us through it. What happened? 
Yeah, Bruce, so getting more confidence. I was on a slightly better bike. I've been riding for two years and all my friends are on big downhill bikes and they're all hitting these big jumps. And I knew that like the talent was there. I knew I could do it. But in reality, I look back now, I did not have the tools for the job. And that's exactly what led to hurting myself. So I send this road gap um, at the top of Cascades and it's got like this rough, um, rutted landing. And the bike I was on just could not handle it. So when I got to the bottom of the, like, the little hill and the landing, there's a corner. And I just could not get around the corner. And I ended up wrapping my leg around a tree. And oh, lovely. yeah, as I, as I hit the ground, as you've seen in the video, as I hit the ground, yeah. I just knew straight away that I had snapped this leg right in half. And he had. I think maybe very much so. I think now might be the best. Yeah, now we're on the ground. Now we're on the ground. I'm not hitting it, huh? Okay, fine. Oh. Broken leg. Mitchell! Broken my leg. I've broken my fucking leg! Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> oh my word, it's broken. Really um, <laughs> you, you talk about how you started this because of someone you met at school. Um... What did you like? What is your school life like? Did you enjoy it? Was it one of those? I just want to get this over with. I'm here. Okay, wait. Before be we here. get into the school stuff, before we get into the school yeah. stuff, um, I want to talk about the cycling a little bit more. Let's stick to cycling because okay. you ended up riding for KZN. You went on tour with the KZN team. Tell no. us a little bit more about like what your shift from downhill into cross country stuff, and obviously the leg break was part of it, but like a little yeah, bit more so behind the scenes. The, the leg break was like the thing behind it. I just mm. thought to myself, okay. That was grade 10, eh? Yeah, it was the end of grade 10. 10. Yeah. We were in matric. We just finished school. Yeah. Were we at Rage when you did that? I don't know, dude. Bec when, you know when it was? I broke my leg. I think it was the 2nd of December. Mom was at Prowse giving at Cord Wallace. We were at Rage. Oh, no. That was the day we got back from Rage because I went to that Yeah, I would have got back. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I remember. I was sleeping. I was literally having a nap after that prize giving, and I woke up, and you were just in hospital. <laughs> yeah, there's no one at home. I remember now. I'll never forget, like, because I told everyone that I've broken my leg, and they were like, "Oh, come on, stop being a girl. You'll be riding in a week. It's just a bruise." And I'm like, "No, bro. I'm telling you, this thing's broken." And no one believed me. And then just when the medics eventually told me that, no. <laughs> Like she, she looked so bleak. I'll never forget it. That you've broke your leg. I was just like, yeah, I told you so. <laughs> like, come on. Like, why this? did we have to wait time with the X-rays? <laughs> yeah. And then they put I a was, plate in. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. So I could show you the plate, but I did lose it. Um, they put a titanium plate about <laughs> that long, with some screws as well, and Lids. put it all back together. And then had another operation in 2019 to take it all out and fix the leftover parts. Because your leg was like clicking and stuff when you walked. It was weird, I remember. 
Like you yeah, put your hand on your knee and it would like grind. It was so gross. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> Graham's not yeah, happy. No, <laughs> no, stuff. no, I'm not a fan, hey. I mean, I, I've, I've tried, whenever, whenever I've broken a bone, I've tried my hardest to convince myself it wasn't broken. Like, I know we uh, know, that, Graham. That was my. That was you broke it at the beginning through. of a draw and only got tested on the Monday. <laughs> yeah, that was my. I was like, no, it's not broken. It's fine. No stress. Because I just didn't like. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so, wait. So back, back to cycling. So okay. you broke your leg. How long was it then until you got back on a bike and carried on? It took me nine weeks before I was able to ride a bike for the first time. Except for um, the messing around in the driveway you did a long time before that. Yeah, but that was just riding in circles with the brace yeah. and being still on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even when I was riding after nine weeks, I had to be very careful because it was still like fresh and, and I couldn't really do anything extreme. So that's when the transition to cross country kind of happened because all I could really do was ride up the hill and then go down the chilled single track. And then I, you know, was like, okay, cool. How do I do it faster? So I started doing research on like training and all that kind of stuff. And before I knew it, I was like at the start line with my knee all strapped up racing my first race in 2018. And yeah, so it, that was that. So that's like the whole of grade 11 you didn't race at all? No, grade 11 I did race. So I started, um, I started probably April was the first one. And then I raced the, okay, so that's the 2017. season. That's 2017, yeah. Okay, wait, but that doesn't add up. April. Oh wait, nine weeks, not nine months. Sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> that does that up. That that was up. Yeah, okay. The maths checks out. <laughs> so was that yeah. first race? Was it one of those first schools races, or was it just? No, it was a, a provincial cross country race. Okay. Yeah, which I got destroyed at. Like it was so bad. But it was the start. You know, it was you also just broken your leg like nine weeks before that. So. Yeah, that that is true. Yeah, it's kind of understandable. <laughs> so you started that then, and then at what point? Because I like I remember before you went to England, you were like your sleep schedule, eating schedule, training. Like that was you just like eat, like eat, sleep, Sorry. ride, repeat. Like it was you were literally yeah. on such a schedule, and obviously things have changed a bit now. <laughs> but like, how did it go from that first race? to that well-oiled machine that you were before you went to England? I mean, I just wanted to win. I mean, what, like once you get the feeling on the start line and coming across, once you start getting better, all I wanted to do was be like at the front of the races and that's all I wanted to do. So it became my priority, even over school, because who wouldn't want something exciting and fun over school, let's be honest. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> stay in school, kids. Yes, yeah, please, stay please stay in school. Not all of us. Not all of us have British passports that we can just hop over when we need to. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of just progressed. Probably wasn't even you know aware of how serious it became after a while. But towards the beginning of the trek, it was you know all I was focusing on. Yeah. Did oh, it help that the schools? Now? Did it help <laughs> that the school started recognizing it as a sport? Like. Or did that, yeah. did that make it a bit more inconvenient? It, it was an inconvenience. It helped because obviously at college you have to do a sport at all times. And yeah. when they made it an official sport, yeah. we were then able to 
do it every afternoon and get away with it through the school. And in the yeah. report card, we were doing a sport for the school. So it, it worked for me and like it was fine. Yeah, because you, like, obviously you were yeah, very late perfect. to the sport. Like uh, most cyclists, like, they, b- before they can walk, they're riding a bike and they're racing by the time they're six or seven. You rode yeah. first time at 16, 17. Yeah. So how did that like affect, I mean, I remember you just being like, like coming back from races being like, yeah, these guys have been riding their whole life and I kicked their ass with a broken leg. Like, it was brilliant. Like, how did it get to that point? And, like, what was how were you received by the cycling people? Like, I, I don't really know too much about this. I was not really involved, I was out of school doing my own thing. Yeah, when you were doing yeah. this, well, it was weird because obviously, because everyone in the cycling community, their parents had been doing it and then they were doing it from kids, and that's how they got into it. Everyone already knew each other and they were all friends with each other. So coming in at such a like late stage, there was a few of us. Yeah, the awkward stage of like 16, 17. Like it's a pretty awkward. Yeah, exactly. it, was yeah. like, it, was, it was the awkward stage of going to a race and like knowing who people were, but not really being friendly with them at all because you don't know them. They don't go to your school. Like they don't even live anywhere near you. Um, so like the first maybe year, year and a half was a bit like that. But in the trick, like it obviously all changed. Um, the school series helps as well because – Every there's four races a year, and then the finals, the national final that you represent the province. Like you're all together, you go up in a bus, you become friends with the people over the time that you're racing. Like it's a whole day event as well. Um, so okay. it, it, that, the school you series. You only made or did you make a grade eleven amateur? I made it in grade eleven amateur. Oh, okay, so you, so by the end yeah. of grade eleven, you kind of started making friends in the community. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then matric was just chilled, like seeing your friends every few weeks at a race kind of thing. Yeah, Brian, to be honest, like towards the end of matric, like not that I had really given up or anything, but but I remember the last national final, it was on my 18th birthday. And I just remember like, you know, can't really be asked with, with doing a race on my birthday right now. There's other things I would kind of also want to be doing right now. And, <laughs> Pause yeah, that. <laughs> 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 responsibly kids uh, or don't no do don't please, please, because please. I feel like you'll put on 10 kgs during lockdown yeah, okay well that was a very hurtful thing to say <laughs> um okay have we covered everything cycling wise Kieran is there anything more any other interesting stories you want to throw in there no, the only thing I'll say is like real life kicks in eventually. So yeah, because yeah. I remember because obviously after school you didn't really know what you wanted to do, so you went and worked at Callan's shop for the first six yeah. months, and it was awesome at the beginning. It was like a dream come true, you know. You work in a bike shop, fix bikes all day, ride in the afternoon, like yeah. gym in the morning. It was literally perfect. And six months later, you're bored out of your mind, <laughs> like you're going insane. Yeah, and then, well. That's that's when the change happens. So when I had the second operation on my leg, that's when we kind of started the conversation of moving to England. And that was yeah. in April two thousand and nineteen and I ended up leaving in July. So it all happened. Yeah, quite the day quickly. after my twenty first, I remember. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember as well. That did happen very quickly. I'm, about 20 I'm, surprised, I'm surprised you both remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> I remember everything up to and including speeches. <laughs> Crystal clear. Oh. Fair enough. Anything that happened thereafter, blame the people that made me drink out of the boot. <laughs> um, I'll take no blame. Okay, before we go on to the England thing. Before yeah. we go on to the English thing, which we very nicely got to a point there, let's go back to what Graham asked earlier about school yes. and like how was your school? Because I know in school was you in school didn't agree. Like we quite opposite. Yeah, that's what I kind of that's what I kind of wanted. That's what I kind of wanted to get to because like I know I know where Dane stood on it and Dane knows where I stood on it. I I kind of enjoyed a lot of the aspects of it academically and just the sense of being with your mates all the time. Dane was kind of just there for yeah, the sake I loved of being school. there. I, I was involved in everything. Yeah. But like I loved but it. Like, I did everything you didn't, you didn't I care, but from what I'm saying is you didn't, you didn't care. Yeah, I get that. What I'm saying is you didn't care much. I didn't care too much. Like, I didn't care. No. You tried, but you didn't really I, I like, tried because there was another choice. But like yeah. it wasn't like I'd be all in Yeah. Whereas like I know on my side of things like academics was where I knew I could thrive a bit. Your main point and I enjoyed it a lot. So ask like getting to Kieran, like where, where did you kind of fall on that side of things where you obviously get a lot of guys. Yeah, we'll get there, but you obviously get a lot of guys who their, their main priority is like, if they're not top of the grade, they like get disowned. And then you get guys who really couldn't care less what they do as long as they get to just check their mates all the time. I mean, I think I was kind of in the middle of those two extremes because, to be honest, yeah. like academics was never really the most important thing. Like I was kind of just more enjoying, you know, going out, riding, making friends, like doing things on the weekend, like just chilling, you know, seeing your mates every day as well at school is something that I'll always miss because there's just, you know, nothing even compares. It was insane. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I knew like... I knew academics was important, but at the same time, I didn't know what I wanted to do and where I was going. So I didn't like have a an end goal to focus on. For example, if if I don't know about you, Graham, but if you knew that you wanted to be an accountant and you had to get certain results to make that happen, and that's going to be your main priority, like you're going to focus. Yeah, on literally, that was that was kind yeah, of think- that was kind of my. That's literally that exactly. It. It was, By the time yeah. he got into school, he knew he wanted to be an accountant, and he. Like from the day we got into high school, we worked towards it, and so he hasn't stopped. Having, He's still going. <laughs> yeah, having yeah. having that grade with which was quite strong did help as well. I think yeah, that's true. something else. Quite, that I think I don't know about. I pretty, I don't know how strong academically your grade was, but that was something I noticed. There's a lot of guys in our grade were kind of pushed because we had a really strong like yeah. top five. Yeah. Six, I mean, I just like, remember, what do you mean top five, top six, top 30, bro? <laughs> like, man, the, man. I remember, no, but like, like, in our grade 11 year, the year above us, like, the top 10 went down into the 70 aggregates. Our top 20 were yeah. all 80 aggregates. Our grade yeah. was ridiculous, bro. Our grade yeah, was we had a, we had a top grade. <laughs> anyway, back to Kieran. That, yeah, Kieran, yeah. That's what I was, I was getting, like, Whoa. I don't know what your grade academically was like, because that's what I was saying, is it will push you if your grade is weak, like if your top like five guys are the only guys pushing 80s, the rest of the grade isn't going to care that much. Do you know what I mean? And like the way that I looked at school is 
I, I didn't really care about what everyone else was doing. I just, I had my things that I wanted to do. And as long as I was passing maths, Afrikaans and physics and doing well for everything else, like I was hundies, that was good for me, you know? And yeah, yeah. yeah. it worked out in the long run. I mean, <laughs> and when you yeah, say no, you enjoyed did. school overall, I enjoyed aspects of it. And then I hated aspects of other things like, yeah, I did not enjoy Corollas at all. I mean, that's understandable. Um, yeah. Like the, yeah. Understandable. You know, you're just rubbing shoulders with people that you're just not the same as, really. Like, exactly. That's what it was the whole time. I mean, college gave you that opportunity to become friends with people who are the same as you and who have a similar mindset yeah. to you. And that was, that's the aspect of college that I liked the most. Yeah, I think that's one thing college does do really well is because the grades are so big, there really is a place for everyone from like the rugby yeah. O's to the academic O's to the library monitors to the gamers. Like everyone's got their little everyone pocket of the, of the And school. everyone just kept to themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, so the, for the most part, I mean, I think it's easy for us to say that because we were like that in-between group that didn't really cause friction yeah, with anyone true. else. But I feel like some people would have had a rough ride at college, like especially if you think about some of the people that are in our grades, like the groups, and some of them were quite yeah, assholes. True. I don't know if they've grown up now, no, but at school, you'd like they to were, that. it's just that typical high school mentality. Yeah, we'd like to. Um, but that typical high school mentality, like, oh, you do this, and I think it's weird, so I'm going to tune you about it. Yeah, exactly. It's just that subtle. Mm-hmm. Did you have any of that? Like, did I, I know your group was not your great favorite group. <laughs> well, yeah, like my, my school friends that I've said now and I've said before, like I knew even at school that after school it was kind of be done. Um, mm. Unfortunately, I'd never had a friend group like yours that stick around even five years later. My goodness, yeah. you all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you spent most of this time here chilling with me and my friends. Like, yeah. Actually, bro, like, yeah. Um, what was the question? <laughs> um, did you have any of those like bullies or oh, bullies yeah, to the point yeah. of bullying, but just like Oaks taking the piss and being dickhead? Yeah, like, yeah. Lots of those would, would take the piss, like saying cycling is not a real sport. Meanwhile, if they even had to try and do what we did, they would probably die. And yeah. it's, it's just one of those things like that, that's high school. Everyone gets it. Um, if you're not first team rugby or a prefect, then everyone looks at you like you're doing something wrong. Yeah, and that's why I yeah. really hate how it works. But at the same time, there's parts of it that did work for me. So I'm very neutral in school or high school. Junior school, yeah. different story. Let's not get into that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got another of, episode of, to do that. <laughs> especially at college, there's certain, like if you get involved in certain things, it kind of like shelters you from like that sort of abuse if you know what i mean like like you say if you do something that, yeah if you're doing, if i mean you're doing something like it's kind of weird or whatever but you've got like you know that like you're friends with certain people then like or you have mutual friends and you're not going to really get as much stick no. as someone who isn't friends with said group of people do you know what i mean yeah and like the problem that our group had is that we were doing things that everyone else wished they could like we would go into the forest and the bucky and go four by four and we would go riding and we would we would do whatever we wanted to do in our friend group and 
I think people kind yeah. of looked at that like it, maybe it was a bit unfair. Like, I mean, we were very fortunate that we could do that and we had a solid friend group to do that. So that's probably an aspect of it. Like, it very much is at school level. Like, at the end of the day, the people who are like that, it is jealousy. Yeah, um, it is, 100%. Yeah, that's probably but, why no one ever took me pissed out of me because I didn't do anything jealousy worthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, dude. <laughs> but that's what I said. I think I'm speaking from experience with the whole sheltering from, like, we obviously knew people in quite a few friend groups. Like, I think, bro, like our friend group, we, we spread we ourselves very lucky. Quite I don't thick. know, like, like our group had we literally made our group by grabbing people from different groups in the yeah. quad and we're like we yeah. are friends now like that was literally, literally how we became like not even figuratively like we physically walked and grabbed people by the collar and we're like you are now a part of our friend group and we're still friends to this day us, yeah. in grade 10. Can, so like we literally had a bit of everyone you can see how diverse yeah. the school is like if you look at it you have graham who's like an academic and you have dane who did the cultural stuff as well as squash and, and a bit of sports and then you have nikki the prefect and the south african tennis person and the then you have like mark forrest first team hockey like all these different people who you surrounded yourself with in all different aspects yeah. like definitely would have helped and then we had like jono and clinton and clinton, yeah like our, dylan. Dylan, our group was so literally from different groups I mean, the only thing we didn't yeah. have was a border i don't think we had a border in our we, group had, we had Matt's, i mean mad rocks and brandon used to like come into yeah, it yeah. i mean so dylan like, was in and out of the be all the time so yeah that's true dylan was be in, in the be in the so like we yeah. we were lucky i think that we got away with the fact that we had every person in our group was friends with another group in the grade yeah so there was no one that could really take the piss out of us because they had a friend involved with us so Literally. I think for us, we nailed the whole high school thing. Like, I don't think we could have done it better. No, we did. We, we completed high school. We finished high school. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I'd say I finished high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about school. Like, okay. So, yeah. the day after my 21st, you hopped on a plane to go to the country you were born in with absolutely zero plan. You were going to live with our great aunts and uncle who are very old compared to us, like not much in common, just to go and figure it out. Ah. Like, yeah. yeah. I think the first question is why? How did that start? <laughs> um, Brew, like, uh, I look back now and it just happened so quickly, I can't actually even remember. But basically, it was, I was working at the bike shop and it was, it was boring. Like, it was fun. I was working with my best mates every single day, the whole day having a good time riding bikes in the afternoon, just chilling, bro. Like, it was just chilling. But sounds like I was, a dream. Yeah, yeah, but I was frustrated because I wanted to be doing more and I wanted to be building towards the future, you know? Like, I wanted an end start, and at that point, I was just idling. So you were so, kind of just making ends meet. Like, your salary was just paying for your repairs on your bike, basically. Literally, my salary every month would just pay off my account and on bike. Like, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Okay. So, so April, you said the, the discussion the, the started. The law. Yeah. Was that yeah, when so you April, had the operation? Yeah. So I had the operation in April, beginning of April, and that's kind of when the discussion started. Um, with mom and dad saying like, "Look, we thought about it," and I always thought like, "Oh, 
it would be way too expensive. It's unrealistic. It, it could never happen until we started actually having a look at it and realizing that. So if Eric and Mary were happy to have me, which fortunately and thankfully they were, um, it would actually be quite manageable. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it gave me exactly what I needed. It was, it was just being thrown in the deep end, getting on a plane with absolutely no plan. Like I had a certain amount of money. I had a certain amount of time to make it happen. And I think that's... And if you didn't, you were coming back to figure it out, yeah. Exactly. And I think that was the exact kick to, to sort of get me in the right direction. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I reckon it was a good decision. And you have a similar thing, like if you go off to Pretoria and you're fending for yourself, like it gives you time to sort of mature and figure out what you're doing. It was the same thing, yeah. just on a slightly more extreme. On a much grander scale, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like I went to Pretoria to study, like I didn't go there without a plan. Like you yeah. literally went to another country on the other side of the world with no plan. How did it go from sitting around every day with no plan to where you are now like i don't i don't know like i'm i'm very lucky because everything kind of fell into place like the stars align and it just happened like yes it's a lot of hard work but i was for like looking for jobs all over the place going to interviews all over the place and sort of arb things like recruitment and um door-to-door sales for like you know working on commission only and I hadn't really found anything that appealed to me or that I thought was good. And then I saw an advert for uh, just an intern salesperson at the company I'm working for now. Um, and it's, it's Airband. It's an internet service provider, um, one of dad's customers as well. So I knew kind of what they did. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Let's just apply for that. And even if I do it for a year, it's a bit of experience. It's something on the CV. Um, yeah. you know, what, what could I lose? Went for the interview, got offered the job, and yeah, it was just lucky, right, right place, right time that I managed to get in when I did because it really has progressed quite nicely. Yeah, so on that progressing quite nicely, like you obviously got the job as an in, a sales intern. That yeah, was the first role you had, and that was when. What? What? When did you sign that first contract? Beginning of September in 2019. Sure. Okay. So then from there, like now talk us through. So you're a sales intern, first day on the job. Oh my goodness, bro. It was, oh, you, you can never prepare yourself for starting from school, like having a little bit of a break. And then you're 18 at this point. You haven't even turned 19 yet. Yeah. 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 I, I just turned 18 or yeah, the year before. No, you're about, September. Yeah. You're about to turn 19. You're about to turn 19. Yeah. Um, nothing can like prepare you for the shock. Like I go in there and it's this big office and it's all these adults all, you know, dressed up and I go there and I'm having these inductions talking about GDPR and like all these things that I didn't know about. And it's just so overwhelming. Like I'll never forget the first week I was a nervous wreck. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, just had to carry on just take it step by step. And so what did it entail? So that you were going to do like a, what's it, an apprenticeship? You're doing like courses. You're supposed to do like a certain number of courses over the amount of time. So it took me on as an apprentice and I was supposed to start with like a one-year apprenticeship in the new year, which had like a syllabus and I was supposed to learn some things. But it didn't really ever get to that point because by January, 
or not even by December, um, they were kind of like, well, nothing's progressed on the apprenticeship. And I was doing quite well. I was, you know, outselling the people who had full-time jobs and were adults. So they kind of said, well, do you want a full-time job as just a sales advisor? And I was like, well, of course, like, yes. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was good timing as well, though, because the whole company has just scaled up over the last two years. And I think yeah. I just been at the perfect time because in the sales department now, when I started, there was five of us. Two of them have since, since left. And now we've employed another 12, 13 people since that time. Okay. So sure. it really has grown you know, exponentially and it will be growing. I mean, we're employing more people for our teams now. It's crazy. So it took you three months from being employed as an intern with intern. the start to do an apprenticeship in the new year to it's now December and they were like, okay, we're not going to waste your time doing this thing. Let's just give you a job and you just get going because you clearly know what you're doing, even if you don't know what you're doing, you know, like you're yeah. getting the results. Exactly. So, just grafting as hard as I could and and yeah, I mean it paid off and first um, of December I signed the new contract. Looking at how quickly it all fell into place, like Dan said, like a three month process, would you have do you think you would have liked to have left here like straight after school? Or do you think like having done the six months here kind of shaped you to be able to go over? I think it shaped me because like I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And I think that okay. without six months after school in South Africa, I wouldn't have got to that point where it was, okay, I need to jump in the deep end or I'm screwed. I wouldn't have got to that point. Okay. Like I went to England straight after school. Maybe the urgency wouldn't have been there. It would have been, oh, well, I'm chilling at the moment. I'm not really doing anything. What's the rush? Whereas when I got there, it was, okay, it's a rush. it was a mad rush. Like I need to get a job. I need to pay my own bills and I need to start fending for myself because I didn't want to be a burden on anyone else. I had to, obviously my parents had to give me money to start off with and I didn't want to be spending anyone else's money and, and being a burden on anyone else. So it was just that urgency, that mad rush to get off my feet, yeah. and get going. I mean, yeah, you did pretty well, I'd say. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, but the story doesn't really end there. So you signed that first. So this was the 1st of December 2019. You signed your second contract with a new role as just the sales advisor, you said? Yeah, yeah, sales advisor. Then, So then you did that for how long? How long? Um, let me just count. It was almost a year or was it more than a year? I did it until about August this year, or last year, sorry, August 2020. And then what happened? And then I got a second promotion and started running my own team. So within, that's less than a year. If you did, So that was August. So yeah. in less than a year, you went from being signed as an intern to managing your own sales team. At yeah. 19. That's wild. <laughs> Fair enough. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll maintain like it was the right place, right time. The, the fact that I was the first one there, apart from my manager and, and the original team leader, I was the first one there. I learned everything as quickly as possible. When new people came, I was training them and, and kind of watching over their day to day, despite that not even being my job. 
Sorry. But I mean, you see, as an 18-year-old or 19-year-old to take on that responsibility to like learn everything that quickly and coach the new people to get them up to scratch when it's not even your job. I mean, right place, right time, but there were other people there at the right place, right time that didn't get to the yeah. same point as you. Like you've got yeah. to take, yeah. take the right place, right time and run with it, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, right place, right time just gets you a foot in the door. It's how you respond exactly. to it. I mean, I did, when I got there and, and they were kind of like highlighting their plans for the next five years, I knew that, okay, if, if I play my cards right, it could be a very good opportunity. Um, and that's when I decided, okay, well, I'm in the right place. Now I just need to work my ass off and make sure that I make the most of the opportunity. And so far, so good. Um, and there's still more to come. Like we have hundreds of millions of pounds worth of investments into the company um, from private um, investment firms. We also have obviously government backing, building networks all over the place. I mean, there's so much investment into the company at the moment. That's the next five years is, is probably going to triple or quadruple in size again. So you said, you said it was okay, so the, the next five years. Yeah, well, I just wanted to ask, like, basically, what you say you're not a sales team. Say you lead a sales, like, what exactly are you selling into who? Okay, so what we do as a company, um, we build all the infrastructure. So we have two networks. We have our wireless networks, um, which uses, um, you know, fixed line-of-sight wireless technology to provide an internet connection. And then we also do fiber to the premise, which is what we're focusing on now. Um, obviously, the government have put up five billion pounds to bring fiber to the premise to everyone by 2025. That's the goal, um, and and we're quite crucially involved in that. So we build the infrastructure, and then what my team's responsibility is, and what our commercial department does is we then obviously sell to the customers and, and get customers on the network. So uh, as a company, I mean the business model is solid because not only are we getting paid to build infrastructure that we own. We then get to sell, sell. Okay. Yeah, we get to sell contracts on the network and, and get monthly revenue from the customer themselves. So that's what I'm involved in. Um, so what my team okay. is, I mean, we have sort of two branches of my team. I have guys who, when it's not COVID, go out and knock doors in areas um, and, and get sales that way. So face-to-face, very direct in the community, um, which is old-fashioned, but it's worked very well for us. A lot of the companies do it anymore because it's it's quite I can, costly. I know it's not exactly the same thing, but I've recently been looking for a place to move to, and face to face is honestly so much better than anything you could ever do over the phone or yeah. over WhatsApp or anything. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the way that I perspective so much. Even this isn't as good yeah. as face to face. Like, it's just something I mean, about yeah, actually. Look into someone's eyes and see what they're actually saying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So when we come up with like how our strategy and how we're going to do things, like if you put yourself in a customer's shoes, if you have someone cold calling you once a week, you just get pissed off and put the phone down. I don't even answer it if it's yeah. a I don't recognize. If you yeah. have someone open your door and they've got an ID badge on and they're in the company's uniform and they say, "How are you doing, Mister Smith?" Oh, my name's Kieran. I'm from Airband. We've just built a fiber network and we're just coming around to let you know that it's available. It's so much more personal and like, you know, not, you may think it's, it's intrusive. Not just like, it's intrusive. Not just like a number phoning you randomly. Like, I mean, it's like a connection. It's, it's two people speaking to each other. To build, I mean, the 
we got fiber installed like I think last year at my place here in, Mar- in Maritzburg. And the only thing we heard of it was the guys came to ask, like they needed to get permission to dig up part of our driveway okay. to run the, mm-hmm. that was the, that was the only way we heard that we were getting fiber in the area was because I the mean, guys installing to, like, the actual cables. To, yeah. Uh, like the guys installing the actual cables had to get permission to like dig up part of our driveway and then fix it for us. But like, that's the only, so I get completely where you're coming from, like having people go door to door saying, yo, We've just installed this stuff. Like, do you want in? Yeah. 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 So that that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, it's a lot of hard work, especially you know before COVID really struck and and it's out six days a week out in the field. You know, knocking on doors, making sure everyone's doing what they're doing. Like it is hard work. Um, and the novelty of staying in hotels definitely wears off. I can tell you that much. Um, but it's also you know quite rewarding when just hit a record number of sales and everyone in the company is just talking about the sales department and that department's 15 people and you're involved in it it's yeah yeah cool feeling the engineers can't keep up with the number of sales that you're making as well well i mean that's the position we find ourselves in now so we the pressure has been completely taken off sales last year we did over five thousand sales whereas the year before um, like before, you know, we sort of started the sales team mid-year. They were struggling to do 100 sales a month. Um, so we've ramped it up that much. And they've they've taken the pressure off because we blew their wildest dreams of what we could do in a year. And they don't actually have the resource to keep up with us. So that's what they're doing at the moment. They they employed another 30 engineers just this month. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's okay, so you mentioned the next five years and how the company is going to grow. Um, what are your plans? Are you planning on staying there for the next five years? or? Where, yeah, where so you... I'm still quite unsure like as to my, my very long-term plans and what they are because despite how much I enjoy what I'm doing now, I don't know if it's what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. Um, I definitely have an interest in networking and, and cybersecurity in that section. And it is something that I'm studying part-time to sort of learn more about. But next five years, potentially don't want to be working for someone else. Um, definitely want to get my own thing going. And yeah. I think that was going to be my next question because it's very difficult to say where you're going to go in five years if you add a company. I think the best way to look at it is how far can you go within that company? Like have yeah. you kind of reached your peak or is there still more for movement for you like can you still get promoted further or you kind of sitting in a position now where for the next five years you're going to be doing the same thing yeah so definitely for the next two years um, i've hit the ceiling at this company okay um but like i said there's a lot of opportunity with all the expansion to to really just benefit from the hard work that we've put in over the last year and a half um i've got a lot of you know commission outstanding that's waiting to be installed and that's really what I want to focus on for two years. Um, long-term goal, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm studying part-time and, and hopefully I'll be able to use what I've been learning in the future. I, I don't really know. Like, I'm, I'm as unsure of the long-term plan as I was a year and a half ago when I started. Um, at well, least I've, I've got myself a little footing now that if I do want to branch out, you know, there's securities there that I have set myself up. Well, at least you can... You can feel secure that a year and a half ago you didn't know what you were doing and worked yeah. out. So, 
Yeah, and it can only get better from here. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned before the the little Nunu that's going around killing people came around and that yeah. you were going staying in hotels. So you you traveled a lot of the like you so okay, let me just go back. Let me start this question again. So you <laughs> land in the UK, you go to St Albans, you're there like I remember when you first got there your biggest prospect was working in a fish and chip shop that was like the plan and then within a few months you're now working at this company Worcester is how far from St Albans so you basically moved moved city but moved in by yourself well no not by yourself you moved into student accommodation to start yeah. with with three other people four other people in a, in a little house yeah um and then shortly after that was this then you moved into this place you're now here or did you go was there somewhere in between it was somewhere in between so i've, I've tried to keep like my expenses very low just trying to save and, and over a safety blanket um so i stayed in student accommodation when i first moved to worcester for six months and that was super cheap like it was a tiny bedroom 300 pounds a month which is expensive in South Africa, but in comparison there, it's the cheapest you get. Yeah. And I lived there for a solid six months. And I think that was the best thing I could have done because I made friends who lived with me, who I'm still friends with now, even though that was over a year ago, um, yeah. which was because I moved to a city where I literally did not know a single person. Um, mm. So that, that was a nice sort of way to start. I moved um, just before the pandemic started. I moved into like a slightly nicer student accommodation. So it was still a shared kitchen, shared lounge, but I had my own bedroom and own bathroom, obviously. So I, I lived there for a further six months. And and only after that, that's so that what was, I did. Yes. That was, was that just before the pandemic? Yeah, I moved in like literally a month, two months. I moved in about the end of January. So two months before the pandemic actually started. And then during the pandemic, you then moved into this two-bedroom place with, and then Etienne, is it Etienne? Came yeah. and moved in with you. Yeah, so I mean, I moved so, in by myself. I had no idea that Etienne was actually going to move in with me. Yeah. And thank goodness he did. Um, and, and then he moved in with me, and, and it's been nice. I mean, we just split everything half-half and lived in a nice big two-bedroom house. And yeah, it's been fantastic. Okay, so then going back to the little pandemic that's going on. So you you mentioned how you were going all over the country, staying in hotels, door to door sales, and everything. Yeah, that obviously would have stopped quite abruptly when the lockdown came in. How did that yeah. affect? So you, how did that affect you in general? Like, what 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 was it like in the UK? Yeah, so I mean, it was a lifestyle change overnight, and it was quite upsetting because. I just started making friends in, in the city I was living with and the prospects of summer were great. Like it was going to be awesome. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, March came and it was three months of staying inside a bedroom, which obviously had quite a knock on, on my mental health. Because when you're living in a bedroom and you're working in the same bedroom and you have nowhere to go and you're not supposed to be seeing your friends, I did it anyway because I'm sorry, but how can they expect someone living on their own in a bedroom? 
especially within the first year yeah like you've just come to a country yeah yeah so lockdown was tough but at the same time i think it was almost good because i wouldn't have made such good friends with the friends i am with now Lawrence, etienne nick and ashton if it wasn't for lockdown because we literally spent every single weekend together um the whole weekend for three months of the year just every single weekend yeah because there wasn't anything else to do like keep your circle yeah. small you know like it's not worth going out and meeting new people you've got to kind of keep your circle to your circle you weren't allowed to i mean i <laughs> i'll never forget how sketchy it was fortunately at that time i was living like half a kilometer away from Lawrence's house so it wasn't too far but we weren't allowed to go anywhere. The only place you were allowed to go was to a grocery shop. Everything else was closed and it was banned. You weren't allowed to mix with anyone else. So I'll never forget like riding my skateboard down the hill at like three in the morning, absolutely cracked off pizzas, coming back from the bride at Lawrence's house, coming home and just, there's nothing, bro. There's not a single car on the road. There's not a single person. It's just, it was crazy. It really was crazy. I just remember really that beginning of lockdown with all the photos. The photos yeah. of like Cape Town's roads just being empty and Joburg's roads being yeah. empty and it was it was haunting actually. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like those are things you never see. Even in the dead of night there's cars there, the, the traffic yeah. pumping. Yeah. It's quite scary how quick and it was the the thing that I think got a lot of people was this how sudden it was. It was overnight. Like, Very it was sudden. Literally, because everyone just like, I mean, even though it was us, it was like, there was a lead up to it. It's like, we're going into a lockdown in X amount of days. I can't remember what it was. But everyone just lived their lives until that day. And the next day it was like quiet. Everyone was just inside. Yeah. I mean, I look back at the start if of anything, it got busier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were told, for us at least, we were told, okay, cool, we're going into a three week lockdown. And after that, it should be back to normal and crisis averted. So the yeah, weekend literally. lockdown started, yeah. we were literally in Cardiff for Lawrence's birthday. We traveled to Cardiff. We were living our life like normal, going to clubs, hundreds and thousands of people all over the place, no problem. And then the next weekend, we were illegally Close meeting time. up at Lawrence's house, having a break. So I mean, I remember... Just- like when this whole thing... It was like March. It was like the middle of March. Yeah. Um, I was busy studying for a test, and yes, that Sunday that Cyril spoke to us the first time, I was writing a test on that Monday, and Cyril yeah. spoke, and he was like, "Yo, this bug is kind Jeez. of spreading. We've got a few cases in the in the country." No, he did, he hadn't even really announced the lockdown yet, had he? I think he just yeah. sort of said, um, "Guys, just sort of oh, like that, that was the closed down, doing meetings." Was it the sixteenth, the fifteenth of March? I think so. Because when we, we were still in Pretoria. I was back home already. No, my, bro, he only had, no, my lectures had stopped. I was no, home. Bro, my, I'm talking about I was that. <laughs> bro, lectures were still the, going there. No, they weren't. My, he spoke they, again. They, he spoke again. So the Lectures got halted on a Thursday before he spoke. The, the varsity took a decision to hold lectures before Cyril spoke. Before, so the lectures, lectures stopped. Yeah, because we were the, still going to write the, a test on the Monday. Yeah, yeah, but the SRC got involved and got lectures to stop. 
Oh, yeah, because they'd also stopped fingerprints by then, hey? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so talk had got around, like, community-wise, and, like, people had been talking, yes. and the SRC had said, yo, like, we have to use our fingerprints on this thing to get onto campus. That's, like, really bad, considering this virus spreads yeah. through human contact. Like, yeah. can we stop that? But then it was just, like, tap your card, and you could go through for, like, a yeah. week. And then... Cyril's work on the Sunday saying, yo, like big public things need to slow down. We're going to go into a lockdown on this date, yada, yada, yada. And at this point, on Sunday night, the night before our te first test of the year, we still don't actually know if we're writing the test because he said university, yes. like he, the, in the speech, he's like, um, we're still in contact with the Department of Higher Education and the decision yes, on whether yes, universities will carry on will, be, will come later. So now I, I'm like, okay, chances are it's going to be cancelled but i can't bank on it my head's all over the place trying to study for this test then it's like i wake up the next morning to a notification your test has not been cancelled you're still writing your test a few hours later the university's cancelled all tests it was like yeah. all over the place then within a few days packed up went home for a three-week holiday as we all thought yeah. it was going to be at the time and three months later, I was still at home with a few shorts and t-shirts. I didn't even pack jerseys. I had to go through winter with like two jerseys. I just walked around with a blanket the whole time. Like it just, it came so very out of nowhere, actually. I think it was across bad, the yeah, world, no uh, one really For me, what happened, it was a case of, I was in my last lecture for, so we, before our test series started. So you were we going to have a holiday then anyway, weren't you? Yeah. I was going to have a study leave. I was going to have study leave for a week. Study leave, study leave. Study, not, not study holiday, leave. yeah, study leave. <laughs> uh, study leave. Cause it was, or study leave for like two weeks and I started writing. Because I know that I, was, I wasn't supposed to be home for my mom's birthday, which is at the end of March, and I was because of the lockdown. But I wasn't supposed to be. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. We had... I was sitting in a lecture... Actually, actually left the lecture early because that's when the message came out on one of the days to say lectures are up. Like, so I left the lecture and that was it. And then, like, you came home for what thinking like two, three weeks because I came home for two Literally, weeks because um... I was supposed to write tests. So I was like, okay, I'll come home yeah. for two weeks, come back, and then have a week and a bit to study, and then go and write my tests and that'd be that. And I didn't go back to Pretoria until September. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went back in like June or July sometime. I had to, because interprovincial travel was banned, so I had to like get a permit and it was just all over the place here. Hey? What a time. Because the UK, your lockdown wasn't as hardcore as ours. It was, it was rough. Like, the same restrictions yeah. in terms of things being closed and not being allowed to see people. But you could travel, you could drive to different places if you needed to. Yeah, so we you know? could, and you guys weren't even allowed to exercise for the initial. No, yeah, we weren't even allowed to. Yeah, we weren't allowed to. Yeah, we, we, to yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we were encouraged because the thing is, and what was quite harsh, you guys are going into winter, so it was more of an inside time for you guys anyway. Our peak mm. lockdown was as summer started. So there was a big sort of emphasis on the fact that, look, guys, we know it's summer. Go out and do your exercise, but keep your distance. So that was by far the saving grace. Because, I mean, at lunchtime, working from home, I would meet up with my friend Jack and we would go for a walk along the river or something. And 
I would go riding in the afternoon and, and just, you know, that obviously helped. But at least after your workday finished at five, you had another four hours of sunlight where you could go and get outside and get a change of scenery. So you see, that's the thing in the UK as well, so you get sunlight till, till yeah. way past bedtime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, it was just a harsh time for everyone, I think, worldwide. Yeah, fun. and I mean, talking about it, I mean, it's not even as if it's done because you came out. So we were supposed, oh, that's another thing. We were supposed to come as a family to the UK for the first time since we came yeah. back in June, July, somewhere around there. And obviously that got a little bit canceled due to the bug. Um, and then that made you decide to come back here. And obviously we surprised mom. Somehow we managed to keep it from mom the whole time. Um, and then you came here and because of the public holiday, you've had to postpone your flight to go back. And now there's yeah. this new strain that seems to be between England and South Africa of the open two places the in the world. Like, oh, of all, in all the countries in the world, it's the two countries that you need to travel between. So like, <laughs> like there's all this, there was all this conversation every time Boris or Cyril was speaking, it was like, oh no, they're going to cancel everything. I'm not going to be able to get back. But I mean, at this stage, you're still going back next week, Thursday. Hey? I need to like yeah. As it stands, everything should be on. I was just about to ask, like, how much of your work can actually be done remotely? Well, at the moment, England's gone back into a full lockdown, as if it was March again. And I saw this meme, and I showed my dad and Dane. It's like Tokyo's in 2021. There's other places in 2020 because it's time difference, and England's in March. <laughs> but I mean, England's numbers have gone so. through the roof. We broke sixty thousand cases for the first time yesterday. In a day, sixty thousand in a day. Oh my day. goodness! Wow. Like I remember, yeah. we were looking at the graph of England next to South Africa, and Kobe came in and it was like, "Oh, South Africa is so much worse." And I was like, "Kobe, look at the scale. Ours goes up to twenty thousand. Their first line is twenty thousand. <laughs> like." <laughs> It's unreal. It is unreal. unreal. But they always said that the second wave was going to be worse than the first. And it, it, no, it's so, and they it's didn't like even know that there was going to be another little variant. But it's, it's, it's the English winter now, isn't it? Mm. So that obviously like, has some impact because your immune system is a bit weaker when it's colder. Exactly. Yeah. And, the and like regular flu season... I think that's how, like, as much as we've hit a million cases, like, our death rate's very low in South Africa. How did we get on to talking about all of this? Anyway, um, yeah, like, I think our climate and the fact that our winter was during our hard lockdown, so we skipped the normal flu season because no one was seeing each other. Like, we, like, our country basically just skipped their sixth season. So our first wave was nothing, really. our one was also, it was controlled because we went into a full lockdown in summer and the virus, it, it spread slower in summer because of the heat. And yeah. now that we're in winter and we're having our second wave and we didn't have a strict lockdown, we had this useless tier system. Like, I love Boris, but the, the tier system was useless. Just mm-hmm. spread like wildfire. Like, economically, Boris might be a good prime minister, but in terms of this pandemic, he's been an absolute joke. Yeah, you know what, like... I think because he saved the economy and has still done a better job than the US in terms of saving lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you compare like, 
Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> Do you really want to compare yourself to the to America? Like you uh, say, the worst colony. Yeah, the worst colony. Third world country with a Gucci belt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. Yeah. Um, are there any other questions that we had written down? That's I'm looking now. Uh, that's all questions I had. Yeah, I mean we got into quite a chat about lockdown, which wasn't planned. Yeah, but that that should be interesting. Is there anything else you want uh, to add, Karen? Yeah, I have some questions for you guys, the podcast oh, hosts. No. Are you ready for this? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, oh, Core <laughs> values. <laughs> consistency how often am i going to be watching your podcast we spoke Two about weeks. this other day we're going to do every week for as long as we can uh, no every week remember because we've got too many guests yeah, lined yeah, up yeah, and whatever sorry. so we're yeah. going to do every week and in a couple of months if we if when graham started working if he if he can't keep up with it or whatever we might like say that we'll go to every two weeks but it won't be less regular than every two weeks yeah but for now every week so this should be coming out on Friday. Or oh, wait, the, the yeah. first one came out on Saturday, so let's stick to Saturday then. Well, should we just make it a Friday anyway? Because it was supposed to be Friday. Yeah, but it came out on Saturday, so let's just stick to Saturday now. I mean, so we're going to make it Saturdays now. Yeah, let's make it Saturdays. Let's go to the next question. One day you're going to have like a set, or are you just going to do the online thing for, for the foreseeable future? Until this virus pisses off, um, I think it's going to have to be online, but yes, we will eventually also, have a set depends, in one of our places. It also depends on um, where Dane is next year, because if, if Dane's in Maritzburg, or this year, sorry, if Dane's in Maritzburg, then we, I can, what either one of us could just hop onto the highway and come see each other for a weekend. Yeah. But if Dane's yeah. in Victoria, then it's not feasible. But at the end of the day, we can also record multiple episodes in the day. There's absolutely nothing else that's stopping us. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If I hop through on a Saturday to Maritzburg, we can record like, we can record like a whole month's worth of podcasts in a weekend. Like the time consuming yeah. part is me sitting, going through it, editing it, cutting out the crap. And... Yeah. Yeah. Quite <laughs> right, cool. Um, that's yeah. for you guys. Yeah, so one day we'll have a set. It won't be like a studio set, but we'll have a place that looks nice that we can sit and talk. But for now, you know, we're going to do it, it like is. this. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. What it is. Okay, so are we done? Can I do like Yeah, outro I, I reckon we outro this shit. Okay. Yeah, Thank you. For tuning in, those of you who are still here, please comment. I broke my fucking leg. Um, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for tuning in. Um, don't I'm forget sure, to I'm like sure and pop. subscribe. Because, um, yeah, a lot of you watched our first episode, but not many of you subscribed. So please do subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Let us know in the comments who you'd like to see us talk to, if there's anyone. Um, let us know follow what us you think about how Instagram. it's going so far. Any ideas? Follow us on Instagram. The links and all of that will be in the description. I'm still working on how to get all these episodes onto Apple Music and Spotify because the only way I can find it for free is only two hours a month, which is not going to be enough if we do every week. Um, and yeah, 
follow, subscribe to my YouTube channel. That link will be in the description. Yeah. Anything follow else? Follow us all on Instagram. Yeah. That's it. Thank for you. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.